0: As you know, we have been, for the summer months, going through a series on the family. And we have uh, been, for several weeks, in the book of Ephesians. So let me ask you to turn back uh, with me to Ephesians chapter 6. And uh, this morning we're going to look at one verse of Scripture. And that's going to be our entire focus this morning. Ephesians 4, excuse me, Ephesians 6, verse 4. So stand. You can stand long enough to read one verse, I'm thinking. So let's read this verse together. Simply, it says this, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and the instruction of the Lord. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you so much for your grace. Lord, we thank you for your grace, not only in salvation, but for your grace in our daily lives. Lord, we thank you for your grace for our families, for uh, children, for parents, for marriage. Uh, Lord, we thank you for these wonderful relationships. Lord, we uh, thank you for your grace in um, uh, those who are uh, taking the gospel around the world. We think of the church there in Geneva this morning and Uh, the wonderful believers there at Luke's Evangelica. Lord, we just pray for them. We pray that you would abundantly bless there. Lord, we pray for all of our missionaries in uh, the work they do. And, and Lord, we just pray that you would provide for their needs and that your gospel, your word would go forth in a mighty way. Lord, we uh, thank you for the fellowship that we have in this body of believers. I thank you for the service, just the spirit, the heart. Of service that is so evident, uh, Lord, that uh, people are willing to give of time and uh, energy and and work, and and so, Lord, we are grateful for that. And Lord, uh, we also uh, think of um, this coming week as we honor Bob Kramer. And Lord, we just pray that would be a time that would would just really exalt Christ and would honor You. And Lord, we thank You for Bob. We thank You for Uh, Just the hope we have in Christ that we know that uh, we'll see Bob again. Lord, we just pray that uh, we'd be able to honor you and honor and celebrate his life. And uh, that would be something that you would use. So, Lord, we just pray once again this morning as we gather, as we worship, Lord, that you would just bless. Uh, Lord, as we uh, look at your word, as we take the principles that apply, help us to be diligently to apply them to our lives. And Lord, be with us as we do that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, we've been looking at the spirit filled family, and today we get to the final category that of spirit filled parents. Paul's instructions to parents is simple and straightforward. And, fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and the instruction of the Lord. Although this is addressed to fathers, it applies to both parents. And even though we would no doubt like to have a lot more here on parenting, what he says is a very important summary. What we have here is an extremely wise warning to parents. We're going to walk through it very carefully this morning. Both the negative and the positive side of this is critical. You know, raising children in our day and time can seem to be a superhuman task. In fact, raising children according to God's standards in a world that is going the opposite direction is, in fact, a superhuman task. It requires the strength and the grace that only God can provide Most Christian parents will admit to being somewhat intimidated by the tremendous responsibility that Scripture places on parents. I heard someone say one time that uh, the trouble with being a parent is that by the time you are experienced, you are unemployed. Listen, although it may seem impossible to live up to the responsibility of being the kind of parent that God wants us to be. He has promised to provide all that we need to be the people He has called us to be. And remember, this section of Scripture is all about what the family can look like if we are constantly being filled with and controlled by the Holy Spirit. Well, we read... Ephesians 6 4, but I also want to go this morning to Psalm 127. So turn with me for a moment to Psalm 127. And look with me at verses 1 and 2. Unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. Unless the Lord guards the city, the watchman keeps awake in vain. It is vain for you to rise up early, to retire late, to eat the bread of painful laborers, for he gives to his beloved even in his sleep. The word vain is used three times in those two verses. It means useless. And the truth of the matter is that everything is vain unless the Lord is in it. This would be true for guarding a city. It would be true for building a business. But it especially applies to the home and family. Parents, listen. You can do everything just right. You can have the perfect balance of love and discipline. But if you leave the Lord out everything else will be in vain. If you don't raise your children up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord, all your hard work will be for naught. Look at verses 3-5. through Behold, children are a gift of the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior, so are the children of one's youth. How blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. They shall not be ashamed when they speak with their enemies in the gate. Now, I want you to note with me three life principles from this passage of Scripture. Life principle number one, children are a special gift from God. Parents, don't forget that. No child is an accident. Every child has a special purpose given by God for that child in this world. In fact, according to the Bible, the more children you have, the more blessed you are, the more potential you have for happiness. But that is only true if you raise them according to God's standards. Otherwise, they will become a source of heartache to you. But God's design is for a quiver full of children to be a great blessing to parents. God intends for children to bring joy to their parents. But that will only happen if you raise them according to His principles. Life principle number two. Children are headed for departure. Did I hear an amen? God says that our children are like arrows in the hand of a warrior. And of course, arrows are not intended to stay in the quiver forever. There comes a day when they are taken out and shot at the enemy. Parents, you need to keep that constantly in mind. As our children grow, they need to be taught to stand on their own. They need to be progressively turned loose so that they can become independent, mature adults. They need to become fully equipped for life without us. They're not going to stay in our homes forever. And when we launch them out, God wants them to be prepared for spiritual warfare. They need to be thoroughly equipped so they can do damage To the enemy. They need to know how to hustle their own spiritual groceries and how to take a solid stand for Christ in the midst of a godless society. Life principle number three arrows usually hit where they're aimed. Parents, here's the real question where are we aiming our arrows? Toward worldliness, materialism, pleasure, economic success, or godliness? Listen, parents. Listen well. If we don't aim our children constantly at Jesus Christ, those arrows will come back and pierce our hearts. They may end up being a success from a worldly perspective, but if they do not end up being spiritually mature, we have failed as Christian parents. But with these two passages of Scripture in mind, let me share with you three ways that parents need to provide for their children. Three ways parents need to provide for their children. First of all, with the provision of significance, parents shape a child's attitude. In Ephesians 6, 4, the King James uses the word nurture. This is the same word that we saw back in chapter 5, verse 29, related to how the husband is to care for his wife. This word would include the idea of feeding or building up. It is similar in many ways to the word edification that Paul uses in regard to the church. Parents have a responsibility to shape their children's attitudes by building them up. So how do we do this? We do it in at least three ways. First, parents provide significance through appreciation. Appreciation. How often do we let our children know that we love and appreciate them. Dads, do you praise your children when they do something well? Or is nothing ever good enough for you? Do they hear only criticism from you? Are they growing up feeling like they can never please you, no matter how hard they try? Listen, I know people who have lived their entire lives trying to get the blessing from a parent, usually a father, sometimes a mother, but never once have they heard a word of praise. This should never characterize Christian parents. Part of our responsibility is to nurture our children, and part of that is to build them up. So we're to edify Our children nurture our children. Secondly, parents provide significance through acceptance. Through acceptance. Some parents are never satisfied with the way God has made their children. Some are always trying to remake their children into something else. Some dads will not be satisfied until their son is the all star athlete he envisions. Some are constantly pushing their children to achieve, many times to make up for their own failures. Listen, our children need to know that we love and accept them the way God has made them. He has created each and every one of them uniquely special for His own purposes, and they need to know that we accept them for who they are. But now, having said that, I don't want you to misunderstand. This is not to say that we are not to bring them up to God's moral standards. This is not to say that we're not to train them in righteousness or to have expectations of our children's behavior. Our conditional love for our children never means that we should not point them to the moral and spiritual standards of God's Word. And although our love for them should never waver, we must also continually hold out to them God's truth and God's way and call them up to a higher standard. Thirdly, parents provide significance through affection. Through affection. Children need constant expressions of affection. Now, mothers seem to instinctually do this well, but fathers often struggle with it. Many fathers who grew up in my parents' generation did not do very well with this. And I know people who have never, ever heard their father say, I love you, much less receive any meaningful Expressions of affection. But dads, your kids need lots of hugs and plenty of physical touch from you, especially as they enter adolescence. This is the time when fathers, in particular, begin to withhold expressions of affection. But this is when they need it the most. Listen, dads, if you have a daughter she needs to be receiving a lot of warmth and physical closeness from you, especially as she moves into the teen years. If she doesn't get that relational intimacy that she desires from you, she will likely try to fill that need in the arms of a young man. And I don't know if you've ever thought about this, but you may be contributing to your daughter's infidelity by withholding that closeness from her. And don't think that sons don't need that closeness from you as well. And many men feel like it's not macho to hug your teenage son or that somehow it will embarrass him or lead to some kind of undesirable outcome. But I promise you, he needs it. Just as much as your daughter does. Please don't hesitate to show affection to all of your children. And don't stop when they become teenagers. Whatever it takes for you to get over your hangouts, learn to show genuine affection for your children through visible and verbal affirmation of your love. But there's a second major principle in providing for your children, and that is this. With the provision of security, parents shape a child's actions. Children gain security from two primary sources. First of all, from a solid marriage. From a solid marriage. The number one source of security for your child is the strength of your own marriage. You will only be successful in parenting to the degree of the health of your own marriage. If your kids sense in any way that your marriage is on shaky ground, it will have a negative impact on the sense of the security of your children. This is the number one source of security for children, knowing that their parents are happily married. Listen, many of us need to focus more on strengthening our marriages before we begin to think about improving our parenting skills. There's no substitute for this. If they see cracks in the foundation, they are not going to be confident about the stability of the building. If they see constant warfare between mom and dad, they are not going to be very secure in the stability of the family. So it's got to start there. But secondly, there's another way that children gain security, and that is through sound discipline. Through sound discipline. Now, of course, we could spend a whole lot of time on this, but since we don't have hours to spend on it, let me just give you a few critical guidelines here. First of all, Ephesians 6.4 says, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger. The word provoke there means to irritate or to make very mad or angry. Don't provoke your children to anger. Colossians 3.21 puts it this way. Fathers, parents, do not exasperate your children that they may not lose hearts. There are no doubt many ways that we could exasperate our children, but... John MacArthur gives a great list here. Uh, He includes things like hypocrisy, saying one thing and then doing something else ourselves, blaming and never praising, making light of your children's problems, being overly critical or nagging constantly, being overly protective and never trusting them, Practicing favoritism of one child over another. Pushing achievements. Discouragement due to lack of approval or honor. Verbal or physical abuse or neglect. Now, of course, that list is not all inclusive, but it does give some of the more common ways that parents Violate this command of God. Don't exasperate your children. Be careful not to fall into these inconsistencies. In fact, let me just give you seven guidelines for sound discipline in your home. First of all, discipline should be clearly communicated. Your kids need to know what the standards are and what the discipline will be for disobedience. They need to know that. When they're young, they need to comply simply because mommy and daddy said so. But as they grow, they need to understand that your rules are based on God's standards of righteousness. There's a reason behind the rules. Someone once said that rules without reasons... Lead to rebellion. And I believe there's some truth in that. But we need to give our children clear instructions and clear standards of obedience. Secondly, discipline should be consistent. Consistent. Don't become a threatening, repeating parent. And you know what I'm talking about. That is the parent that says, I'm not going to tell you that again. And then they don't do anything. And then they have to say, I told you to stop that. And then they don't do anything. And then you have to say, if you don't stop that. And it goes on and on. Listen, that doesn't work. Simply warn one time. And if there is not obedience, then discipline must follow. But if all you ever do is threaten and you never follow through on discipline, you know, the kids aren't stupid, right? They know you don't mean business. Why should they worry about obeying? And we all know that children are masters of learning how the system works. They know how to play one parent against another, for example. So both parents then have to be on the same page in regard to discipline and Parents have to stick together and be consistent. Don't threaten, bribe, or manipulate your children to get them to behave. Don't negotiate with them for obedience. Clearly communicate the standards and then consistently follow through with discipline for disobedience. In fact, the Bible even says if you don't do that, you don't love them. Now, that may sound harsh, but that's what the Scripture says. That's how important this is. Thirdly, discipline should be commensurate. Commensurate. In other words, it should be in proportion to the violation of the standard. There are some actions that carry more serious consequences than others. So make sure that your discipline matches the seriousness of the offense. Fourthly, discipline should be compassionate. Compassionate. Discipline without love will lead to rebellion. There's got got to be a balance of discipline and love. No matter how you may choose to discipline your children, never ever do it in a fit of rage. But always temper it with love. It is always a good idea to reaffirm your love to your child after you have disciplined them discipline must be compassionate number five discipline should be controlled Controlled. there is absolutely never an excuse for abuse if you are too angry to discipline in a controlled manner then you should wait until you can sometimes discipline needs to be postponed until it can be done in a controlled way Number six, discipline should be corporal. Discipline should be corporal. Now, some won't like this because this is not politically correct, but the Bible teaches the importance of corporal punishment for children. Proverbs 22.15 says, Foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child. The rod of discipline will remove it, far from him you know what the rod of discipline is it is applied to a child's backside proverbs 23:13 says do not hold back discipline from the child although you beat him with the rod he will not die oh pastor how barbaric i didn't write that this is god's word And, of course, this is not talking about abusing a child physically, but there is absolutely no doubt that the Bible advocates spanking children as a form of discipline. We should not be afraid to do this no matter what our society may say about it. In fact, I was reading an article on the airplane on the way back, Uh, And apparently there's been some new study that just came out that shows if you spank your kids, it's going to ruin them for life. I guess these people know better than God. Someday it might be a crime for us to do this, but we should never be afraid to do things God's way. In fact, God has even put extra padding back there specifically for this purpose. It won't kill them if we do it properly, but according to the Scripture, it might save their life. It might save their life. And it just might spare you a lot of grief as well. Tim Challies has an article entitled, Spare the Rod, Spoil the Parent. The basic premise is, if you don't use the rod, you really hate your child. And you're bringing on yourself a whole lot of grief. And this is based on Proverbs 13:24, which says, He who spares his rod hates his son. He who loves him disciplines him diligently. This is a basic principle of biblical parenting and we must not allow this secular world to take it away from us because failure to use the rod has serious consequences finally discipline should be cooperative now I mentioned this before but both mom and dad have to be together on this there must not be any double standard in the home there must be cooperation when it comes to the important issue of discipline. So it must be cooperative. Well, there's one last provision needed from parents. With the provision of spirituality, parents shape their child's appetites. This is the key to everything else that we're talking about. When Paul used the words Nurture and admonition. He was referring to spiritual and moral training. The word for nurture includes the meaning of training, learning, or instruction. The word admonition means verbal instruction with a view to correct and change. It is absolutely critical that we are nurturing and admonishing our children in the ways of the Lord. And let me just end this morning by giving you four things that you should make sure that you do for your children. Four things that you must make sure you do for your children. Number one, lead them to know Christ as their Lord and Savior. What a privilege it is to get to lead your own children to the place where they understand who Christ is and what He has done, and to see them put their faith and trust in Him for eternal life. What a joy that is. There is absolutely nothing greater that you can ever do for your child than that. There is no greater heritage that you can leave for your children than to lead them to Christ. In fact, as parents... We need to determine if we are more concerned about our children, our children being admitted into heaven or into Harvard. We've got to decide what's the priority. Are we more concerned about graduation day or judgment day? We need to do everything we can to bring them to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ But there's much more more beyond that. So secondly, teach them spiritual principles based on the authority of God's Word. Deuteronomy 6, 6 and 7 says, And these words which I am commanding you today shall be on your heart, and you shall teach them diligently to your sons, and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, and when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise up, in other words, teaching your children spiritual truth is a never-ending, non-stop duty for parents. It is also a great opportunity to influence several generations toward godliness. In fact, grounding your children in God's absolutes, in a world with godless values may very well be the greatest thing, other than leading them to Christ, that you can ever do for your children. And listen, this is primarily your responsibility as parents. The church can help you with that, but the primary spiritual training of children must take place in the home. And of course, we want to provide programs for children and teenagers but that will never suffice by itself. You must be engaged with the spiritual training of your children. And one other side note here. It's okay if your young children don't fully understand every spiritual truth at an early age. They will grow in their understanding as they mature. It's okay if little Johnny thinks that David hooked out and tore Goliath's head off. He'll learn soon enough. It's okay if little Susie thinks that the disciples were bad because they wouldn't let the little children come to Jesus. She'll learn soon enough that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. One mother asked me one time, when she should start teaching her six-year-old about God. I said, well, you're about six years too late. By the way, don't buy into this ridiculous notion that you should not force your religion on your children. So you're going to wait until they're old enough to make up their own minds. Ridiculous. The late J. Edgar Hoover was once asked, should I make... My child go to Sunday school and church? His response was both scriptural and practical. He said, Yes, you should, and with no further discussion about the matter. He said, You may be startled by my answer, but what do you say to Junior when he comes to breakfast on Monday morning and announces he isn't going to school anymore? You know he goes. How do you answer him when he comes home covered with mud and says, I'm not taking a bath? Junior bathes, doesn't he? Then he said, why all this timidity then in the realm of spiritual guidance and growth? You say you're going to let him wait and decide when he's old enough? Quit your kidding, he says. You wouldn't wait until he's grown up to choose whether he wishes to be clean or dirty, would you? Do you let him decide for himself whether to take medicine when he's sick? And then he rounds it all off by saying, How shall we respond when Junior says he doesn't want to go to Sunday school and church? That's easy. Just be consistent. Tell him, Son, in our house... We all go to Sunday school and church, and that includes you. He says, your firmness and your example will furnish a bridge over which youthful spiritual rebellion will then travel into many rich and satisfying spiritual experiences. Well, this leads us to a third thing, which is be an example to them. Be an example to them. Every parent should remember that one day our children will follow our example, not our advice. Children learn more from example than anything else. And really it's amazing how often you are able to see yourself in your children. And it's pretty scary at times. Children learn everything from us. They learn manners from us. They learn neatness or sloppiness. They learn the value of being punctual. They learn all kinds of quirks and habits from us. They also learn such things as the importance of prayer, the value of Bible study, attitudes toward the church and the things of God, attitudes toward giving and ministry and evangelism, In all these things, they learn more from what we actually do than what we say. In fact, I would go so far as to say they learn even their concept of God by watching us. What kind of God are our children learning from us? This is something to seriously consider In his book, The Disciple-Making Parent, Chap Bettis wrote, The first battleground of family discipleship is not my child's heart, it's my heart." Some first graders were asked to draw a picture of God in their Sunday school class. Their artwork represented some pretty interesting theology. One little boy drew a picture of God as a brightly colored rainbow. Another one presented him as an old man coming out of the clouds. One very intense little guy drew God with a remarkable resemblance to Superman. But the best picture came from a little girl. She said, I don't know what God looks like. So I just drew a picture of my daddy. In spirit-filled families, the parents don't expect the children to live up to standards that they themselves do not live up to. Spirit-filled parents know that we must live according to the same standards that we expect our children to live by. Finally, We must spend time with them. A team of researchers wanted to know how much time middle-class fathers spent playing and interacting with their small children. First, they asked a group of fathers to estimate the time spent with their children each day. The average response was 15 to 20 minutes a day. To verify these claims... They set up microphones and cameras in the houses of these men. The results of the study were shocking. The average amount of time spent by these middle-class fathers with their small children was 37 seconds a day. Their direct interaction was limited to 2.7 encounters daily, lasting 10 to 15 seconds each. Folks... That's not going to cut it. Now, that was a long time ago, but it makes the point. Both mom and dad need to be actively engaged with the children. Men, don't leave the parenting to your wife. You, men, have the primary responsibility here. Well, these are heavy responsibilities But they are very important ones. And by God's grace, we can be the kind of parents that God has called us to be. And always remember, our goal as parents should not really be success, but faithfulness. Faithfulness. Just being faithful to what God has called us to do. Well, what about you this morning? How are you doing with your parenting? I realize not all are parents here this morning. And I realize we may have some families that don't have both mom and dad in the family. And I understand they're blended families and all those kind of things. But how are you doing, generally speaking? Are you applying these principles in your home, in your family? I hope that you are. If not, today would be a good day to say, Lord, I just need to recommit myself as a Christian parent to do the things that God calls us to do. Would you do that this morning? Let's pray together. Father, we pray this morning that you would help us to respond to your word. Lord, uh, you have given us enough in your inspired scripture that uh, we can uh, do the things that you want us to do. And so, Lord, we just we know you want us to be... Um, Parents that uh, have a good balance of love and discipline. and Lord, you want us to be wise in uh, the raising of our children. You want us to raise them in the nurturing, and admonition of the Lord. You want us to uh, lift high the standards of Scripture before them and to uh, uh, lead them in the way of truth and the way of uh, everlasting life. And so, Lord, we, we pray that you would help us with that. And Lord, even these things, many of these also apply to grandparents, and so Lord, we we just pray that uh, You would use Your Word in all of our lives today. Lord, we also know that uh, there perhaps would be some here today that do do not know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And Lord, we pray that if uh, there are those like that here this morning, that they would understand that, that Jesus Christ is Lord of all, and He has died on the cross to pay the penalty for sin, and And we pray that they would put their faith and trust in Christ alone for salvation. Lord, uh, however you want us to respond today, if you want us to renew our commitment, if you want us to um, just uh, start new and fresh today, Lord, we, we ask that you would help us with that. Help us to respond in a way that honors you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.